Welcome to Lawyers Living Well, a production of the State Bar of Georgia's Attorney Wellness Committee and the Lawyers Assistance Program. Lawyers, this is your resource for all things wellness. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Lawyers Living Well podcast. I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyers Assistance Program of the State Bar of Georgia, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Candace McKinley, who in a word is a warrior. Normally, I give a lot of background information, but this time I'm just going to let Candace tell her own story rather than me give you a pale imitation. So Candace, Give us your story. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks for having me. I am just sitting here in my living room coming off a six-day cruise with my family and just so gracious to be here. And thank you for calling me a warrior, but you know, all warriors need rest. And I've had to learn that the hard way over several years. So I can pick any story, but I show up in in spaces as an African-American female with two children. And I went to law school with two babies on my hip. So what does that tell you? I might not know much about warring, but lawyering was something warring, being a warrior and then a lawyer with two babies. That can almost sound crazy, right? (laughs) So my story started when I made a decision to uh, become the first lawyer in my family with no experience, with two children and in true transparency, starting to go through a divorce. So, you know, you start like that, you end up being a little in the legal profession as pretty much that person who's had to fight a lot to get to where I am. So I've had to work hard, just like any lawyer, but as a woman and as an African-American woman, I I think I had to fight a little bit harder than most to find my space in the law. So that's the start of it. So I could keep going, but no, I, do I know keep, you keep going because I've heard you talk and it's, there's a lot more to it than just that. So, oh yeah. 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 So, you know, I went to law school at a historically black college in Florida, and then I decided to take the bar exam here in Georgia. And so when you switch states, that's a little difficult too. And when I started practicing, I was like, okay, this is what lawyers do. Again, I didn't know. And it was a shock because I'm learning how to be a litigator, um, not just transactional work, but also have having to maneuver around sexism in the workplace, unfair pay, all the isms I think you could, you could think of. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm just trying to figure out how to be a lawyer. I didn't know how to you know, fight through all of those other things. And it didn't work out too well, Lynn, for me sometimes. Uh, My mouth was a little uncouth. I didn't have as much decorum. And so by the time I came to my second firm, I was like, I'm not going to sit here as a woman and hear you talk about other women like this. I'm going to speak up. I am not going to sit here and work my tail off and not get the pay I deserve. So I'm going to speak up. And so at that second firm, I will not name that firm, I was asked to leave. I was no longer in need of, they they no longer needed my services. And so I said, okay, that's fine. 
And how do you still practice knowing you did everything you were supposed to do in the law, trying to be, you know, stellar at the craft, but told you can't be who you are because you did not accept what was in the workplace at that time. So by the time I showed up in my third law firm, <laughs> I was a little bit like, okay, I've learned my lesson. I'll listen. I'll learn. I won't be as cutthroat with my tongue, I guess you would say, but I just don't put up with a whole bunch of stuff because I just don't. And so when I came to my third firm in 2018, I had an experience that I just wasn't ready for. And that was the sudden death of my father. I was practicing, I think at the highest level, I had been doing about eight to 10 high level complex litigation cases that could be difficult in a year but I had gotten used to a lot of depositions, you know, going to trial, doing all of that. And I found myself at my law firm, getting a call from my mother, working like I always do, trying to be stellar, be excellent. And my mom, and I heard it in her voice, she was like, you need to get home. And home uh, for me, for her house is in Gwinnett County. And if anybody knows the distance in Atlanta traffic, that's hard to get home when I'm sitting in an office in downtown Atlanta. And I was like, wait, my mom's voice isn't, isn't the same. And I had taken the train that day and I remember it just in my mind, like, oh my goodness, let me get home. And I'm so glad I didn't drive that day because the next call I got while I was on the train trying to get home and get to a car to drive to Gwinnett, my mom said he didn't make it. And I said, what? Make what? My, I thought my dad was just going to the hospital to get some tests. So from all I knew, you know, just get home. We're going to go to the hospital, make sure he's okay. He, he just passed. And I was, I was shook. I don't even know the words for it, Lynn. I was just shook. That was April uh, 26, 2018. We're coming up on a four-year anniversary of his death. And by May 5th, I had buried my father and still didn't know how he passed. And guess what I did after I buried my father? I went, I went right back to work and it was not healthy. And I can't tell you what June, July, August, September maybe looked like that year. It was a complete fog. And the, the person that you're hearing today was not that person. I didn't know who I was. You call me a warrior fighter. I had been working my tail off for years and that's what I knew, but I did not know how to work through grief, anxiety, and then later on depression because he was one of my best friends and to see a healthy person just expire and not know what to do. I was just like, oh my gosh. And I didn't show up in the workplace as I used to. I was floating and I was laid off from my employment within six months from when my dad had, had passed. And I did not tell my employer how much I was struggling with my grief and anxiety. I'm a fighter, a warrior, like myself, I, I didn't know what to do. And so by 2018, November, I didn't know if I was gonna be a lawyer anymore. I just didn't know. And I had to figure out how to get some help. And I called the bar. 
and got a, got a great therapist. When I tell you a great therapist, she was just phenomenal. What I needed at the time, and I actually stayed with her for a long time. I won't tell you how long I stayed with this therapist, uh, but therapy is important. Um, but I, I had never used a therapist in that way to go through the stages of grief, depression, and anxiety that I needed to get, you know, get through the professional help to figure out my next steps. And it took me a while. It took me a while to uh, find my place again in the law. And by, I would say, late 2019, I said, I can still do this. I don't want to just not do this kind of work. I just had to find work that I really, really wanted to pour myself into. Um, and I could not keep working and working and working like I was um, and not take care of the mental health challenges that I was experiencing. Um, it was hard, it was difficult, um, but I'm still here, so. And you've got your own firm. Now I do, I do. Uh, that was, I think by necessity. Now I know it was by necessity um, because I had toiled with it, toiled with it for years, uh, but I didn't give myself permission um, to be ahead of my own firm. I was like, I can't do this. Um, that negative in your mind, you know, I'm a woman, I'm this, I'm that. Um, I've always worked with men. Um, shout out to all the wonderful ally men out there. There's some that need some coaching on how to uplift women who are strong and not tear them down. <laughs> um, so yes, I'll have my own law firm now. Very proud of it. And I focus on litigation still, but more so on women litigators who want to do what I've done, others out here who want to, you know, strive to try cases at the highest level. I'm here for it. And I, I want to help more women um, in that space because a lot of us don't stay, you know, in the practice long enough to actually try some cases and a whole bunch of them. And I like talking to people. I like going to court. I like picking juries. It's, it's kind of fun. Uh, I know that might sound strange, but um, I enjoy it. And so, you know, always going to litigate some cases, not as many as I used to. And so I get to pick cases now. So especially in after the post pandemic, I don't have to travel and, and do all that. A lot of it's virtual. So that helps a lot. Helps so a lot. Candace, the, that's the story that that's the story I wanted you to tell. And why I call you a warrior, among other reasons, is you took charge of your own destiny. That's a warrior. That's a warrior Thank thing you. to do. And you went through the process of, I can't, I can't, and there's all these reasons and I need these other people. And then one day you walked out and you said, this is what I'm going to do because this is what is right for me. You're right, Lynn. And seeing other women like you in the workspace and in the wellness space is helpful. Actually, when I met you briefly, you were talking on a panel in 2019 at the wellness uh, retreat. I was like, wait a minute, there's other warrior women out here that's doing this who aren't afraid to share their stories. And so kudos to you too, for being a warrior woman, for sharing your story and what I learned from you and Javon and others, because if it wasn't for you all, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing um, because I was a little bit like, no, 
I'm going to just stay, you know, doing this or, you know, I might go back into teaching my, my other, my background is in teaching or, you know, just trying to find something else instead of just uh, sticking with my voice and knowing that it is a strong voice and people can't handle that all the time. And when I show up, you know, you know, I smile, I'm a nice person, but in the end, I'm going to fight for what's right. And I, I don't, I don't play well with players, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't play a lot of games. I'm very direct. And I, I don't like when people want to underestimate me or uh, try to belittle or think that, you know, just because of who I am, I'm less than and they want to challenge it. Um, and I'm going to come just as strong as they're going to come. And I've had that happen over and over again, particularly with men on the other side. And to their, to their detriment most of the time, because I'm going to always be prepared, always know my facts, always know my case law. So you're never going to outwork me. You're never going to, you know, take something that I didn't see or, 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 or use it against me. I'm, I'm, I'm coming for what I know to be true. And I want to, you know, fight for my client. You know, warrior, <laughs> warrior, <laughs> like I said, I'm not going to spend much time on the question I was going to ask you next, because you've really answered it. It was about emotional intelligence. And, you know, there's this quote from a study some time ago, but there have been plenty. Emotional intelligence arguably accounts for as much as 80% of an individual's workplace success, more than raw intelligence and expertise combined. And what I was going to ask you, I, you're one of the most emotionally intelligent people I know. It's just apparent. You don't have to spend much time with you. If people have listened to this far of the podcast, they already know that about you. I was going to ask how that shaped your practice and impacted your success and well-being as a lawyer. You've just told us, you've just told us the answer to that, that you don't, you know, you know your facts going in and you're not going to let people handle you a certain way. I feel like you've given us the answer. And that it does contribute mightily to your well-being to be aware of all of that and to show up as you. Yeah. I mean, without saying it, you have to know who you are and not be afraid of who you are. And, and I think that's hard for, for women in general. Um, we may have to wear a certain thing to court or do our hair a certain way because we think that that's what, how we have to show up. And I've just come to the point of this is how I show up. You know, my hair might not be a certain way, my pants or my dress, whatever I decide. And I don't like wearing heels. I've always worn like flats, you know, things like that to be comfortable. I'm from Florida. Um, so we usually wear sandals and nothing closed toes. So, you know, I just said, you know, this is who I am. Now we have to put on our capes, you know, look like a lawyer. But in general, I think just knowing who you are and, and not shying away from that is is, is how that warrior spirit comes out and having other people around you who pour into you and listen to you and not, not distract and take away. Um, and I've had to learn that over time is certain people gonna show up in your space, men, women, alien, black, blue, whatever. And you have to figure out how much time or how much energy you wanna give that. And I said, oh, those are my boundaries can't spend too much time with this person because they're not changing. It's how I respond to them. And like, I, I kind of share, like I've had to grow into myself um, and who I am and, and fine tune some things, you know? 
so that I can get the message that I'm trying to say to people across because people will tune you out if you show up in, in a too abrasive sometime or are too meek. So you have to find that even balance, but still be you. And I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I still uh, learn a lot from others and read a lot and do other things. But one thing is at 40 plus two, this is me. I love it. And you know, I do. And as far as being a work in progress, who isn't? And if you're not, you know, that's not emotionally intelligent as far as I'm concerned, which sounds judgmental, but it is how I feel. I was going to pick up very briefly on something you said, because it really is in line with my thinking now. When you said that uh, hearing me speak and hearing Javon speak uh, made an impact, I'm noticing in this moment that the thing that's healing people is hearing those stories and knowing that people are not alone and then drawing community around that. Mm-hmm. And I know that, I think you know that I'm trying to create that intentionally. It's sort of a, at the very beginning of that. But, you know, I've observed and others have too, we have some wonderful um, events and programs and things that we put on, but there's no follow-up. There's nowhere for somebody to go and to keep the community going. So the fact that, that you said that about it actually making an impact just confirms more my thinking that this is the direction we need to go in for people to to be healed and to to really move forward you know it's a tough practice you know that i mean we everybody knows that this is not an, in in no way shape or form no matter what you do has this is this an easy profession so everybody needs support at some level and i to me that's the way to get it it's community and I, I totally agree in this community in a confidential way, um, because I think when I look back just in 2018, I wasn't sure what I was experiencing and if I had community around wellness, around how to use language in the workplace to explain what was going on, I may have stayed at that employment, but I just didn't know how to say, I need help. This is what I'm going through. Um, I had, it hadn't been modeled for me, you know, because we're supposed to be strong as lawyers. We're the problem solvers. We're, you know, showing up for everybody. And like I mentioned, I had two children. So, you know, I'm showing up for my, for my, for my kids, uh, for my clients, all of these things. So when I'm down, how do I, you know, reach out to a colleague and say, help. How do I say, you know, this is not a good time for me. Give me, you know, a moment, a sabbatical, something. I just didn't have those skills yet. I'm working on them now and it is helpful. And I think right now it is so critical. If it could be a, I think we had mentioned it before in another setting, a private Facebook group or a Slack or a group me. So people like us can say, this is the space where there's community. Even if you don't, you know, post or do anything, you can follow others and and hear and see what they're doing. And that could lead to more like in-person events. If we build something where people just feel confident enough to be in a space where they're not okay. And people are like, it's okay to come here when you're not okay. we don't get that a lot as lawyers. Where, where do we go 
you know, where do we do? Where do we show up and say, hey, Javon, you know, hey, Sam, just calling some other people's names from the wellness mm -hmm. committee. Um, you know, I need a moment. Can we talk? We've, we've created that the bar in our committee, everybody is included in this. No one can escape wellness. And that could be physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, however you want to coin your wellness and your built, your well-being. We have to be intentional about lawyers being whole. Because when we're not whole and well, we can't serve our community. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, and we will pursue all those ideas. You know, it's, it's sort of a work in progress, you know, just like you were saying before. Uh, but yeah, I think that's what we need to do for people. Um, shifting gears a little bit, there's something I've been wanting to talk about for a while. I don't know that I've gotten the chance to ask anybody in the last couple of podcasts, but the, it's this question. So I don't think as much attention is being given to the Black experience of well-being as was being given in the time immediately following George Floyd's murder. Well, that goes without saying that immediate, but it went on for a while. And I feel like now I don't hear it. You know, I'm not hearing people when they make presentations saying, and this is more difficult for people of color, you know, and that used to be what was being said and it was being recognized and acknowledged. So I, I look at that and then I look at the fact that we lost two black lawyers to suicide in Atlanta in January and February, one each, one in January, one in February alone, alone. That, and that's in Atlanta. And these are statistics that are not gathered easily. And when I've told people that they've told me about New York and they've told me about other North Carolina, other places. Um, so that's a fact. So what's the disconnect here that we're not talking about that and how can we change that? Lynn, that's a heavy question. And I, wish I only ask heavy questions. <laughs> I, know. I don't know any other kind of question. <laughs> Ooh, that's a heavy question. I coined this day Wellness Wednesday, but um, I, I wish I, I had the answers. Um, but I can tell you as living um, as a Black woman and raising a Black son, um, it's hard for communities of color and speaking from my experience in the black community um, because it's not always known how to say how I'm feeling when you see something as George Floyd or Ahmaud Aubrey over and over and over and over again. It's almost like you get desensitized, like this is what happens to our people and look at the historical context of it all. When did people of color get the chance to um, be free, first of all, and what is that freedom? And then after you become free, how do you heal from American slavery trauma? And I'm a product of a family who came from a plantation in Florida. And I'm first generation ed educated, like off of a migrant farm. My family worked in cotton fields. So this is 2022. So we're talking and trying to unpack suicide, how it shows up in 2022. We got 400 years of, I think, and this is my belief, compressed trauma. And when that compressed trauma is exploded onto the scene, it's like, oh, now people see what we've been dealing with, but we've never had an opportunity to get clinical help 
or systemic help over time and community help saying, oh my goodness, this is a real issue. Most of the things I heard growing up is nothing wrong with her, nothing wrong with him. We'll pray about it. You know, Southern Baptist, you know, faith, you know, pray, go to church, you know, do these things and you keep going. No, you can't stop because if you don't work, you don't eat, you know, and that is the historical linchpin. So I'm saying a lot to say that I don't have the answer to that, but this right here is a ripple effect that we are saying, I see you, you're my ally. You may not look like me. We're having these tough conversations. Let's just start here. I've seen it even as a black woman, a woman about my colleagues who are black males. I don't see them a lot talking like we are, right? So how do I help my black brother in the law? Well, I say, well, I haven't seen you in a while. What, you know, what are you doing? He may be coping in other ways, I'm not sure. So I struggle with that because I see people who may need some help, but they don't have the language like I used to not have to ask for that help. Um, and it could be you know, societal, it could be historical, it could be all of these things wrapped in one, but we gotta figure it out. And I think again, by having these, as they call them courageous conversations and uplifting it up across communities, because this is not just for, um, you know, Caucasian communities, Black communities, Asian communities, uh, Hispanic, and I can go down the line. This is, this is an issue of our country and, and where we are, that the intersectionality of all of us to understand how everybody shows up and they're dealing with trauma, that we have to help each other. And mental health doesn't see, see skin color. And we've all suffered through COVID, through international uh, issues, we are struggling as a people and we're gonna have to figure this out and, and keep helping each other. And if, you, if we don't know how to help, just be there and create spaces so when somebody is ready, they can step into it. And I'm hopeful, I'm grateful for the Georgia Bar and, and we're gonna keep doing this work and, and, and creating those spaces, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what you're saying about, you know, what's going on in the world and, and, and COVID and, you know, you lay everything on top of each other. I don't think people also are paying that much attention to how traumatized everybody is at this point. I hear over and over, it's this one phrase, it's just too much. Right. I hear it over and over and over. It doesn't matter that, okay, maybe in the news they're saying COVID's quote over. You know, there's uncertain. I mean, we've been through two years. We're uncertain what's happening. Right. Um, you know, as you said, internationally, uh, you know, who knows what's happening. Um, and I heard it expressed really well. You know, I didn't think of it in these terms, but you know, we've been running on adrenaline for two mm -hmm. solid years. We're not meant to, our bodies physically, adrenaline is supposed to be something that hits when there's a saber-toothed tiger there and it pumps you up and everything else goes out the window, but you've got a lot of energy to go run as fast as mm -hmm. you can. And that's about a 
three minute may uh, much less let's let's call it a 30 second proposition either right. you get into a cave and the tiger can't make it in there or you're gone period but you're not meant to run on adrenaline for two years with everything we do on top of it that causes us stress. Right. So, you know, I completely agree with you. I don't know the answer, but I do know that I've observed you. And like you just said, you just went on a cruise because you needed, you know, mental health. You've learned to speak the language. So I wanted to ask you in, in light of the fact that as lawyers, people don't want to hear us talk about it. They don't want to hear us complain. They want to hear, I wrote the brief, I argued the case, I negotiated the contract. Now shut up and go do it again. Um, right. <laughs> you know, um, but that the two are mutually inconsistent. You know, exactly. you can't keep running on adrenaline forever and people are burned out. So what do you do to cope with that? What are your coping mechanisms? How do you take care of yourself? There's a there's a list of things, but I would start first with the travel. Uh, being stuck for two years, not able to travel was hard. Uh, again, I, I expressed, you know, I went through depression and grief and anxiety, and a lot of that had me closed in since 2018, 19. Just not being able to use my communication skills because anxiety just would grip me, and I wouldn't leave my house for for a while. And then COVID hits. And then, you know, Lynn, and I'll tell the rest of the bar members who are listening, I've had COVID twice and I wasn't able to go anywhere isolated. And then I had to take care of my mother who got COVID, my minor children. Uh, one of my children got COVID um, and she had bad anxiety um, coming out of it before vaccines. And then I got it again after the vaccine. So we've we've struggled with this. Um, so I'm traveling. And traveling is a privilege and I'm taking every advantage of it if we ever get shut down again. Um, so I have my like Palm Springs shirt on right now. Y'all can't see me. I had some nice sun on a cruise. My family cruises. I'm going on another cruise and um, November, my sister is turning 50. She's, she wants to do some kind of celebration. I'm going on a girl's trip. I'm going overseas to Ghana uh, to look at some real estate. So I have planned my trips out for the year um, because we've been sitting down for two years. Why not travel and why not see the world? Like we, like I said, are so interconnected with our, our gadgets, but why not go see it? Like go, like get out of the United States and go somewhere that you've been thinking about because, you know, this is saying all the time, life is too short. It really is. And I've experienced COVID twice and it was not nice for me and mine. And I've had to go to COVID recovery specialists and all of that. So I am very present in my life. The second thing I do is I have a morning routine and I didn't start this um, right after I came out of, of my therapy. Um, my therapist would give me ideas, but I created my own of what that looks like. So one thing I do is um, turn off my phone. Um, my phone is not by me at all in the evening or in the morning to start my morning routine is actually in the bathroom. So, and I have it on do not disturb. So it doesn't even ring at a certain time. So I can have that morning time to meditate and I do a daily devotion together. My faith is very important to me. And then it may take 10 minutes. It may take 20 minutes, but what, 
what whatever I'm feeling at that time, I, I, I really try to be quiet and be still. Um, sometimes it's music, sometimes it's guided, sometimes it's just a passage in the Bible. It just depends on where I am. Um, people say they don't have time, they're not too busy, but we all get coffee, we all get tea, we all use the bathroom, and that takes about two to three minutes. You can do something for yourself in the morning. So that's another uh, thing that I do now. I also, over the pandemic, got certified as a Pilates instructor. I know that sounds off, like I was sick in COVID, um, but I had paid to uh, do this program before COVID hit, and I was like, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to do it. So now I'm a Pilates instructor. And um, you can't see it on the screen, Land, and our listeners can't hear it. But I have a, a baby reformer, as I call it, behind me and a nice little workout equipment. Um, so after I do my morning routine, I do something for my body physically. It could be on the reformer doing Pilates. It could be on the mat, go for a walk, do something um, just to get my body moving. And then fun stuff. Like I watch TV now. Like before I would just read a lot, but I'm a Marvel lady, woman, whatever you call it, Captain America, yeah. <laughs> uh, Black Willow, Widow, uh, Widow uh, Black Panther, uh, all, all the Marvels. So I watch all the Marvel series, Avengers. Um, so Disney is plus is my friend. Uh, watch some shows, you know, enjoy good TV. Um, people say like, we've been sitting too long, but you know, lawyers, we read a lot, a lot. And so I enjoy watching shows now, but I still read. I mean, on the six day cruise, I just read a whole book uh, uh, called, what was it called? It was Shonda Rhimes saying yes. She was oh, saying no. Yeah, she was saying no for a long time. And Shonda Rhimes, you know, is the creator of Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, Bridgerton, another good show, but she's the creator of that. And I was like, I, yeah. And I just read her book and I was like, yes. You have to say yes to some things, but also the caveat is say no to a lot of things. Say yes to the things that radiate with your soul, no to a lot of other things. So um, so those are a couple of things. Like I said, I, and today is Wellness Wednesday. So I will do something for myself uh, today. It could be taking a bath. It could be going to get a massage. It could be nothing, just taking a nap. But Wednesdays are my day. Um, to really, really take care of myself. Everybody doesn't have a day. That's why I says I do a morning, um, a morning routine, two, three minutes, sometimes 10, sometimes an hour. It doesn't matter. But Wednesdays, my family calls, anybody knows, it's Wellness Wednesday. I'm going to send a text. How you doing? Do something fabulous for yourself. Wellness Wednesday, Pound Wellness Wednesday. So now every, you know, every Wednesday I do something fabulous. And I hope people who are listening you pick a day, pick a, pick a minute, pick an hour to do something for yourself. Because if you are not taking care of yourself, your own self-care, your own well, well-being, you know, somebody's going to sort your time out for you. They are going to build in that time and say, hey, call's coming, conference call, deposition. All your time is going to get taken away. But if you're not intentional about taking care of yourself again, like I've had to. Because I cannot do what I'm doing at these levels. And I write it all down. Some people use electronics. I'm still kind of old school. I have a planner. Wellness Wednesday, my morning routine, what I'm doing. Um, and it's all about me. <laughs> and that might sound selfish. But no one's going to take care of me better than me. 
<laughs> you know? In fact, what I was going to say is no one's going to take care of you at all other than you, you know, nobody out there in the wide world of practicing law with a few exceptions is going to look at you and say, I think you're working too hard. You know, I want you to create a wellness Wednesday for yourself. I mean, you know, basically we need to look out for ourselves and we have to decide that this, as you have, this is a priority. Yeah, exactly. Just like we have to sit down and write like those times when we're writing briefs and all lawyers write, you cannot, uh, you know, be taken away from that time. Like it's concentrated time to get that work product out. And we, we dedicate ourselves to that stellar excellence. And we do that so much to get these things done, these goals. You know, some people call us perfectionists, A-types or whatever. We know how to get things done and be intentional. But it's something about us not saying, oh, we should do that for ourselves. Book an hour to just sit down and do nothing. Okay. No, we got to be doing something. No, we don't. We don't. And so we have to train our mind to just be as excellent and taking care of ourselves as we do everything else. Because we're good at what we do. We are. Yeah, you know, the thing I'm having to work on now, it's very similar to what you're talking about, is train my mind away from the idea that my sole value as a lawyer resides in how fast I can respond to a client's email. There yep. is a part of me that is convinced that that's why they like me. It's the only reason they like me. I have no <laughs> other value than how fast I can hit the send button. And in fact, I'm really embarrassed to say today, earlier today, a client, when I, I responded really fast and a client said, oh, I have you well-trained. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. And I said, you know, I spend a lot of time speaking in public about this very thing and I need to practice what I preach. And she did me a favor because if your client's saying that to you, you know, I, like I said, Again, I'm working on it. I know that's my work. And I tell myself, that's not why they value me. They mm -hmm. value me for my advice, for the fact, as you say, stellar excellence. Um, they value my institutional knowledge, the relationships I've built with them. Right. All kinds of things. It's not how fast I can hit that button. Although there's a part of me that's like, bang, boom, boom. And I have to say, I think a lot of that is the addict part of me. Mm -hmm. I know that I get a buzz. I get juice, a jolt out of doing that. And mm -hmm. I need to disconnect from it. It's at, it's addict, pure addict stuff. I need to just disconnect from it. And, and I, I feel you. I'm like, like on, on a trial high, I guess that's kind of like, I like to see progress. I like to see winning, you know, I'm highly competitive. So it might not be an email, but I'm like trial focus, like, Let's get all this together. Let's do all this, like overthinking it all the time. Like I want to make sure everything is ready. Um, all my exhibits are in order. All of these things, like da 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 da, da. just fast, fast, fast. I've trained myself to do that. My clients know that it's going to, you know, PowerPoint's going to be great. Everything's going to be great. And just like your client said, you're trained well. We have to take that same training and say, where else can I use this type of talent for my well-being? And we're doing it. We're doing it. And it's taken me years. Like everything that I just laid out, it didn't happen overnight. 
you know, and like I said, I'm I'm still warrior Candace working it through, but I may add something else to my self-care plan that I didn't know before. And I really immerse myself in the wellness space now. So if I'm reading a brief on uh, COVID recovery or whatnot, I'm going to read, you know, something in the wellness space about um, how to use physical wellness, not just Pilates, to help with mental aptitude, something like that. Um, I'm just throwing out different things because I'm just like, oh, you know, I need to learn more about this. And I, like I said, I like shows, but I also like to read because I'm an attorney, but um, you have to um, keep up with things, just like the case law. You have to keep up with what you um, are doing. And if you want to know something, you got to go learn it. In and, the wellness space. Mm -hmm, in the right. wellness space. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know how to take care of myself. I just didn't know. And I've had to, you know, read articles, read books, talk to other people, um, engage myself, immerse myself. And I love it. I was like, there's other lawyers out here rocking and rolling, just like us, who are not stressed out, who are not, you know, falling over, um, just doing all kinds of coping crazy stuff um, that you don't have to do to stay in this practice for years. And I intend to stay here now. <laughs> you know, I'm about 13 years in. And hopefully I can get a, give another 10 or 13. I'm going to retire young, though. I'm going to retire young. All right. You go into that property in Ghana? <laughs> you, you, count, you caught that, right? <laughs> I did catch that. I thought that was very interesting. I did catch that. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's another conversation. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was really glad you said one thing about when you did realize that you needed help you reached out to the state bar and you had a really, really good experience. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think you've probably also answered this, but I like to ask um, whether you think the state bar is offering adequate resources to promote well-being of the Georgia lawyers. And as you very well know, one of the great resources is the Georgia lawyer, the Lawyers Living Well webpage that's right. got a million resources on it. That's a, had a lot of work to put that together. That's a great resource. You went through the Lawyers Assistance Program to use your six as we right. you know, promoted it, um, which you know, I'd love to have you say for just a moment really the idea of confidentiality, because that's where a lot of people buck up against that. And they say, okay, yeah, but how do I know it's not a pipeline to discipline? I will first say that we spent five years changing the bar rules to disconnect it from discipline, but I'd like to hear your take on that. Yeah. So I didn't know the five year, what you just talked about getting it connected, this that is paid for. And I did not have discretionary income to go get a therapist. I just didn't. And so I found my therapist through the bar and used the six program because I knew it was free. So that was that was my plug into uh, getting a therapist. But I don't want to say this to knock the bar, but I have to say it because I searched it out. And I think the bar has great resources but we're gonna to have to do something to make it more available. I don't know exactly how the website is there. Um, I know we have some social media, but my colleagues who I have shared the Lawyers Wellbeing website, they had no clue. They could get a free therapist for six sessions. They had no clue about uh, the peer-to-peer -peer program 
um, just the wealth of resources that you talked about. And, and again, it's just like, it's there. I've used it. I found it. But you can have riches of gold. But how can people access them when I think it's more um, a roadblock for lawyers to even pick up a phone and say, I need help. So I think we have to do more digging and work, not just in resources, but awareness to let people know it's okay to use it because you're not going to be seen as getting in trouble or um, showing that you're weak or you're not you know, excellent right now or you have a ding or a dark mark. I don't know these preconceived notions that lawyers have that if we show any kind of slight in our, our, in our wellness, pretty much, that something is wrong with us and that we can't, we, we, can't, we can't get the help we need. So it's a twofold, like, yes, the resources are great, need to promote them more, but we also have to get our colleagues to say, it's okay to even use them, you know? You know, that's the first step. And if you use them, you're not gonna get deemed for using the services that pretty much you have paid for. Yeah, um, I think about as chair of the um, the LAP, it's something I talk about all the time. Like, how do we get that out there? And you know, it's like anything. You know, it's very hard to get claim people's attention when there's so many things that are pulling on their attention. Mm. One thing, but I mean, I agree with you. You know, we have to do that. Um, one thing that you said a while ago that ties into this that you really caught me with is talking about people not having the language to ask for help. Because I think along with what you just said, letting people know it's okay to ask, is perhaps we need to be teaching the language. Yes. Yep, thinking about it, yes. And I, I think we need to start as soon as possible, even with our colleagues coming out of law school, YLD. Um, I know we have a mentorship program I don't think wellness was talked about at all, uh, you know, a decade ago when I came out of law school. So yes, and the earlier, the better, because I know in hindsight right now, sitting here speaking to you today, that if I had the language, I could have probably um, had a different trajectory in terms of where I was in the firm life. Um, Cause it wasn't like I didn't enjoy it. It was, it was, it's hard, you know, firm life is hard, but I like people and I don't pretty much aspire to be a solo. Um, but I felt like I couldn't go back into a firm life like I did because I, the anxiety of going through something like I did and not having the language, it was just like, oh, she's probably going to flake out again, you know, and that's all me, you know, that's all in my head. But if I could have did it a little differently, I may have helped somebody else in, in, in the firm, wherever they are. Um, I just didn't know how. Yeah, it's something we'll, we'll continue this conversation for a long time because you make me recognize, just like with all of this, we talk as if people understand and it's easy. Oh, there's a lawyer's assistance program and there's a peer program. 
but there's you have to bridge to what is it like to pick up the phone, which we've done a good job with. I think Plaman did and Javon did of right. preparing things that say, what can you expect when you pick up the phone and call the LAP? What can you expect out of the peer program? But you make me think to times like I've walked into a partner's office and said, you have to take me off of this project because I, when I'm driving to work, crying and shaking, I know myself enough you know i've been into uh mental health facilities i'm not going i didn't say it this way but i'm not going back there and i need to come off of this project and it happened and I, there was no blowback and it was fine but i was scared me who talk and i talk freely about this i didn't know the reception i wasn't sure i knew how to say it so right. you know that's where the rubber meets the road like when you mm -hmm. really have to walk into somebody's office and say I need to go to rehab and I need to go now. Mm -hmm. that, uh, that's, that is like super Cape woman, Lynn. <laughs> like I would say most, most young lawyers, particularly, um, you know, I wouldn't say younger than me, but I, I don't see anybody saying, take me off this project when they just got there. You know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. there will be different stages where you can say, this is, some of the language you can use maybe in your first, you know, one to two years or three, like a real program, because coming from a teaching background, I used to teach first and second grade. Students don't learn how to read until you show them the letters, let them hear the phonics. And this is very elementary, but all of us went through grade school and you, you learn from teachers, learn from environment, learn from modeling, and we grow up to be adults. We don't change that much. You have to see something. You have to hear it in order for you to say, oh, that's how you do that? In order to walk, you have to see somebody walk. You know, we are human beings in, in, this, in this life process. And this is hard for lawyers to figure out how to use our words. And we communicate all the time to say, hey, this is not working for me let me do something different because that hierarchy hierarchy in, in the firm life is serious. And you step into a partner's office and you're like, will they accept me? Will they do that? All these things are going through your head. And I chose the latter. I didn't say anything because I didn't know what was going on with me. I didn't even know, like I really needed clinical support. So that was the first thing, like, let me get the help. Then I can maybe say something. I didn't get the chance to, but you did, and that's great. How many more people are saying, if they listen to this podcast, I probably should have said something. What could I have said? What toolbox could I have used? I think we're on to something. We, we, gotta, we gotta do it. I think we are too. And you said something that's genius that I don't wanna forget. It's a flip of what you said about learning as we go and going to school. And also when you said in the first year, I didn't do that in the first year. I built credibility. Mm -hmm. I People understood that I was a team player. I was reliable. I built relationships because exactly. I don't care how many, how much technology we have, this kind of thing is still dependent on relationships. Exactly. And by the time I went and asked that, I had enough goodwill. I had mm -hmm. enough goodwill, enough money in the bank from just putting my head down and working and, you know, supporting the team and, and all 
uh, that I got a good response to that. I agree with you. You can't do that 10 minutes after you walk in the door and expect the same result. If you need help, though, you're right. We have to have language for how do you ask it at every single point. Right. And on the flip side, now that I'm hiring people, having support from the partner level, um, even if you're in a solo practice, just having that mindset, if a subordinate comes to you and they are struggling, give them the space to at least hear them out and say, okay, I hear you. It might not be what you want to hear, <laughs> but at least give them the space to hear them and listen and, and not be, I wouldn't say, um, you know, like a dagger, but just giving people the space to speak their truth about where they are and where they may need some help and possibly support, build supports with around them, mentorship, uh, maybe a, a senior level associate could support. There's things that we can do um, to teach from the top down the language as well and what you can do to support and then from you know, the subordinate up. Because the lawyer structure hasn't changed that much. I mean, everybody can't be floating around in law firms not knowing what, where their spot is. Somebody has to write the brief. Somebody's gonna, you know, go and argue it. I mean, we still have that structure until, you know, that structure is kind of loosely opened up. We, we have to treat it as such um, because that goodwill is important. And I, I know I work my tail off, um, but sometimes it's so critical. It hits you hard. Like my, like my situation, it's just all, all I could think about is how am I going to eat today or if I'm going to take a bath. And that, that's just a critical state. And, you, and that is when you just need help. Um, so we got a lot of teaching to do. And these conversations are helping. I knew this was going to be absolutely extraordinary. Um, just, I mean, we've talked through so much and I'm so glad this is recorded because I want to listen to it again. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add? And I know we could talk all day long, but specifically, <laughs> like, do you have anything to, to this that you really want to leave people with? The only thing I would leave, and I know we said well-being, self-care, all those terms, you can put any name on it, but the intentionality to being whole is key. Whatever that looks like for you, you have to work on you as your authentic self. So that would be the only thing I would leave. I don't want to put terms on it or names or, oh, I got to go look this up. You got to take care of you in your own way. I um, mean, you said it best, Lynn, no one's going to do it but you. And I'm doing it and I'm doing it well and living all my glory and all my truth. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> I wish people could see how much we're both smiling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that just makes me feel good. Uh, and you are a model. You are a role model for a lot of people. I appreciate that. I don't, I don't consider myself a, well, a role model, but uh, I'll take it in stride and keep doing what I'm doing because I'm not changing, like I said. <laughs> I think you've gotten there. You've made, you've changed. You've changed from where you were. I think you've gotten there. I can't thank you enough for your time doing this. And I know you've got two children. I know you've had a lot taking care of them through the last couple of years, but I hope everybody's well now and that everybody stays well. And the same to everybody who's listening. And I hope you'll join us again for another episode of Lawyers Living Well. Thank you.
Hi, I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyer Assistance Program. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lawyers Living Well. If you need immediate confidential help, call the LAP hotline at 1-800-327-9631. That's 1-800-327-9631. You can also visit lawyerslivingwell.org for more wellness resources through the State Bar of Georgia. That's lawyerslivingwell.org. We hope you can join us next time.